Welcome to Creating Your Happy Place, a podcast that explores what it takes to create your happy place and then empowers you to do whatever it takes to get happy at home. I'm Rebecca West, host of Creating Your Happy Place and author of the book Happy Starts at Home, and I'm so glad you're here today. Now, this podcast is all about making sure that the things we surround ourselves with, especially in our homes, make us happy. And today we're going to talk about something that is not only in our homes, but also in our, or goes on our bodies, the clothes in our closet. Our guest today is a style and wardrobe consultant who helps people bring their clothing and their closet into alignment with who they are and who they're meant to be, and says her closet is definitely part of what makes her home happy. I'm delighted to welcome to the show, Holly Shez. Welcome, Holly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited to have this conversation, especially because I relate how we dress our homes a lot to how we dress our bodies. It's a very similar process, and it's just as personal. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. And you said that your closet is part of what makes your home happy. So start by telling us what kind of closet you have. Is it a little closet? Is it a big closet? Is it a custom closet? What are we talking about? I have a New York City-sized closet. (laughs) So it's like a shoebox. So it's a shoebox that's very oddly shaped and is very tall, like oddly tall. Because old architecture. Have you made use of all of that tall volume and how do you access it? There's a lot of shoeboxes up there for shoes that I wish I wore more often, but realistically, that's not going to (laughs) happen. So it's it's uh, the things you need every day are at reach, and then you use that vertical space for things that are more long term storage. Exactly. Yeah. And was it a process setting this closet up in a way that worked well for you, or did it happen pretty easily, pretty quickly? Uh, the other thing about my closet is I've moved and moved pretty often, so I have to reset up my closet. So I've kind of developed a system where I know what I reach for every day. I know what I want for different seasons. I know what I want easy access to, and then I know what can kind of go in like more storage-like spaces. And how did you come to be a person who's very aware of wardrobes and clothes? Is this a passion you've always had? Yeah, so my background is actually in costume design for theater and film, um, which is how I ended up in New York City in the first place with a shoebox size closet. <laughs> and I transitioned when I realized that the part that I love about costume design is bringing the characters to life and figuring out who they are and how to portray that through clothing. And when I realized that individuals also have that issue and have that problem, and it's something we all struggle with. So I wanted to bring that perspective to people. I love that because that's so much how I approach my own wardrobe. Like Mm -hmm. every day is about getting dressed and thinking about who do I want to be today? How do I want to present myself? And like, if I'm feeling low, I can put on something that kind of energizes me. And if if I'm feeling really outgoing and extroverted, my clothes can, can show that. Like it really is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. Absolutely. What's one of your favorite things in your closet? Oh, the exact thing changes, but it's kind of like the category of anything that's like long and flowy, like any robes, any like really long sweaters that I can just kind of throw on and they look fantastic. So comfort is (laughs) a key, it sounds like, to your wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And has um, this whole, I, I don't know what your situation is with the whole 
COVID and stay at home sit, you know, moment that we're in, mm-hmm. has it changed your wardrobe and your approach to clothing? It's interesting because I, I have done a lot of work virtually pre-COVID as well. So I'm very used to sitting alone at my desk, staring at my screen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still been a process and it's kind of gone through phases of wearing only sweatpants and pajamas all the time versus trying and trying to feel more human and put together like I'm an actual functioning adult in 2020 (laughs) who knew that existed (laughs) so it's it's been kind of both and have you had the chance to consult with any clients who are asking like what do I wear on zoom is it different when you're thinking about what to wear virtually versus in person? It is because so often we think about a work outfit as like a full complete outfit, but now we have to start thinking of a virtual work outfit from like the chest up. Mm -hmm. So you have a much smaller canvas and you have to make sure that the interesting pieces of your garment aren't like your belt and your shoes. <laughs> right. Exactly. It used to be that you could throw on fantastic shoes and a great accessory or a bag and your outfit was complete, like with mm-hmm. very simple pants and a shirt, but that doesn't work so well on Zoom. So and, you want to what are go... some of the things that do work well on Zoom? Yeah. You want to go for more jackets, necklaces, earrings, glasses, if you wear them, Anything that'll kind of bring interest around your face. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So do you also work with people's in-person closets? You said you do a lot of virtual work, but also in-person? Yep. I used to when that was a thing. (laughs) It'll come back. (laughs) It'll come back. (laughs) So when you walk into somebody's closet, what are some of the things that you see over and over again that is causing them distress? A lot of things they don't ever wear. And why, why are they not wearing them? It's often because they haven't decided to get rid of them yet. They're things that they just haven't made a decision about. So a lot of what we do when we're cleaning out a closet together is make decisions that you've been avoiding, (laughs) which is harder than it sounds. (laughs) And I'm guessing there's a whole bunch of different categories of stuff Mm -hmm. that people hold on to. There's the skinny Mm -hmm. jeans. There's Mm -hmm. the, I used to love that. There's the, that was expensive. Mm -hmm. What do you think is one of the hardest categories for people to let go of? Gifts can be a tricky one, as well as pieces that are associated with memories that might have gotten tainted. Like the first date of the ex-boyfriend that like it could have worked, but didn't work, but you kind of wanted it to work. So you really like that outfit, but don't really like it. (laughs) That kind of thing happens a lot. Yeah, really similar (laughs) questions to the things that are in our homes Mm -hmm. and and the memories that they evoke too. Yeah. So have there been things in your own closet that you've had trouble letting go of? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we all have things in our closet that we have trouble letting go of. And I, for those pieces, I kind of put them to the side of my closet. I have like a little stash of a couple pieces that need to leave, but we're not quite ready to let go of yet. Um, so they're in the process of being let go of. Yeah. And when you're letting things go, do you, are you the kind of person who takes the time cons- to consign things or are you taking it to like a charity shop? Are you trying to give it to your neighbors and your friends? Is it a bunch of those things? It's most of those things. I try, I don't generally consign because I don't enjoy the process of reselling clothing. It's a 
it's a process and I think it's a process that we don't realize how much time it can take. Um, it can be worth, very worthwhile, but it can also not at all be worthwhile. So it's about finding that balancing act if it's something that you want to do. Um, if it's if there are basics or like specialer pieces, one of those kind of ends of the spectrum, I'll generally donate it to a charity shop or bring it to like a in-person reseller who will just like take everything and just give you a full price so I can just say here you go what you got mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> take so what you want to do list on, exactly in the back of your mind still exactly and yeah. if I think a piece is perfect for a friend I'll offer it to them I think the key to giving things to friends and family is like really giving it to them because you think they will love it not because you want to get rid of it and because you feel guilty about the money exactly. you spent on it or something like that exactly. and making it somebody else's burden. <laughs> yep. So where do you fall on quality when it comes to the things in our in our closet and what should be how much money should be spent and things like that? Yeah, the the actually really important thing to realize about clothing is that price does not necessarily equal quality and vice versa. So you can get very high quality pieces for not a lot of money and you can spend a lot of money without getting quality pieces so what so, are the differences yeah it's all about looking at kind of the garment as a whole and seeing its integrity in its style so does the fabric that was used match the style that it is how are the clasps, the buttons, zippers, are those all good quality or are they something where they tried to cut costs? Hmm. What's the fiber content of it? Are you going to wear it? Like we can have as many high quality garments hanging in your closet as you want and you can spend as much as you want on them. But if you're not going to wear them. That's wasted money, whether it's $2 pointless. or $200. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I always say that buy high quality pieces that you will wear. So you also spent a year, I think, mm -hmm. wearing clothes that you made yourself. Yep. yep. What did that teach you about clothes and your relationship to clothes? It taught me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, it taught me a lot about what I gravitated towards. It really solidified that I really want separates. I can kind of put most dresses to the side. Huh. Um, and it taught, like, kind of the biggest thing that it taught me was that we don't need as many clothes as we think we do. Full stop. Mm -hmm. I started the year with, like, five pieces of clothing and ended the year with, I think it was, like, 27 or 30 total. So it's... You don't need as much as you think you do. And when you love every single piece of clothing in your closet, you get a lot more versatility out of them. Hmm. Given that, you know, you're coming from a costume designing background and I have my own tendency is to really want to keep rejuvenating my wardrobe. Mm -hmm. I get really mm -hmm. tired of wearing the mm -hmm. same things over and mm -hmm. over again, even when I love them. Yeah. So how do you keep it fresh with so few pieces in your closet? It takes a, it's a lot about mixing and matching and making sure that you can wear everything multiple ways. 
Um, often when we fall into a style rut, it's because we're wearing the same pieces in the same way. Mm. We're not switching up our accessories. We're not reinventing things. We're not trying to wear things in different ways to different places. So that's a big key to creating a small wardrobe that always feels fresh. Um, and one of my favorite ways of kind of seeing your wardrobe with a different mindset and with different eyes is to do like a mini wardrobe challenge like only wear a small number of pieces for an entire week or mm. act as if you were going on vacation with a single carry-on suitcase like what would you pack how many ways could you wear things mm -hmm. could you wear how many ways can you think of wearing the same skirt or dress or blouse or jacket what happens if you try entirely different accessories with what you usually wear? So, so those are ways. So you say yeah. that there's 27 items in your closet, mm -hmm. for example, that is not necessarily counting accessories Correct. and jewelry Correct. and Correct. the other things. Yes, yes. And my wardrobe has since expanded. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since the challenge ended. Yes, And why exactly. is that? Because um, I wanted it to. Yeah. Well, what was missing that you were excited to have back in your life or in your closet. Yeah, there was, um, so that year, because I didn't only wear clothes that I had made, I made most of the clothes that year. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of focus on simple, versatile pieces. So there weren't a lot of jackets or blazers or tailored garments, mm -hmm. um, pieces that required more of a time and effort investment because I was looking to build out a closet more than tailor things specifically and, and do all of that. So a lot of pieces that I've added have been cool finds, cool jackets, interesting things that I wouldn't have thought to make. I think mm -hmm. that's one of the really wonderful things about having access to so many designers and so many brands is you get to wear other people's creativity hmm. and make it your own. What an interesting way to think about clothes is that you're in some ways wearing other people's art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very neat. Yeah. So when you consult with people, what comes up in the conversations? Obviously you're helping them clear out things they don't wear and they don't love. Mm -hmm. I assume you're also helping them bring in things that they mm -hmm. will wear and will love. Yeah. But what about the setup of the closet and the access? Are you consulting on that kinds of thing? that kind of thing too? I do. Um, it's not my primary focus, but I love a well-organized closet. <laughs> so do you have colleagues yeah. who do a lot of closet organization and those are two different pieces of this puzzle? There are certainly kind of, I think of like more home organizer type people who are like, will take a New York City closet and like expand it incredibly in <laughs> mind-boggling ways that I'm like that takes a level of spatial magic that is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more focused on not necessarily the closet organizing hacks but making sure that you are able to have fun in your closet that you're mm -hmm. able to access the things you want to wear and that nothing falls all the way into the back corner so that you forget about it and call me again in seven years and are like, I'm back where I started. Let's, <laughs> how do you 
keep your closet in a place that you love it mm-hmm. is what I'm really focused on for organizing purposes. Is there a cycle to a closet where like you should be going through and touching everything that you own every six months, every six weeks, every six years? There is a cycle, but it's different for every person and every life. So someone who really loves clothing and has an expansive wardrobe and can remember what they have and everything that they have because they enjoy going through it and playing and putting things together and doing all of that, that's going to be different than if you're a busy mom who just doesn't want to look like trash (laughs) while also chasing a small child. (laughs) Right. That's a different scale of thinking and interacting with your wardrobe. And to say that both the busy mom and the fashionista should be going through every garment they own every six months or six weeks or six days is kind of mean. (laughs) Like it's not a kind way of approaching your closet. Right. So I definitely think that if you're not wearing something for a long period of time, you should ask yourself questions about why but it doesn't mean you should necessarily get rid of it because it could be that you just had the baby and you are losing the baby weight, but it's going away slower than you want and you're mm-hmm. on track. It's just going to take two or three years and that's fine. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Or you're training for a marathon. So like your non marathon jeans don't fit, but that doesn't mean you should get rid of them. <laughs> like yeah. if you're not training again, you're probably going to gain some more weight. Like it's, How do you, just thinking about what your circumstances are in relation to that piece can help figure out if it should go or if it should stay for later. And that the timeline is really dependent on the lifestyle. Mm So we always think about seasonality in terms of your winter clothes versus your summer clothes, but there could also be seasonality based on the children you're giving birth to and the marathons you're running and the events that you might be going to all of those things too. Absolutely. And if you love that piece of clothing to keep it through that long cycle of change, Mm -hmm. it could be that you do get rid of your pre-child jeans because you know that you're not going to want to wear them in three years and you'll just get styles change too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were growing up, were you (laughs) the same person? Did you come to clothes late in life, (laughs) early in life? What's your story? Um, I... I've always loved clothing, but never in like a traditional person who loves clothing growing up kind of way. I always loved the um, tactile nature of clothing. Mm-hmm. I love that they're multi-sensory. We look at them. We also feel them. We smell them. We hear them all day. Hmm. We don't generally taste them, but like your mileage may vary. <laughs> you do you. So it's it's all of those things coming together in one item or one outfit that you get to interact with all day. Yeah, fascinating. And did you have a very unique style when you were growing up or did you just wear really normal, I blend in kind of clothes? I wore kind of my most unique childhood fashion moment was there was a phase where I would only wear dresses with like very full skirts so like pencil skirts were a no-go they had to be skirts like full 
swirling, twirling, spin around childhood dream skirts. <laughs> Those are my favorite. To yep. this day, they're still my yep. favorite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that was kind of, and that lasted for years. And I did everything. I love it. Trees, outside, skiing, school, like all the things. You just need the right skirt. I love the the <laughs> image of you skiing down mm -hmm. a slope in a big mm -hmm. puffy skirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the skirt got kind of like tucked into the snowsuit, but like it was still there. That's awesome. Did you did you have a really tidy closet when you were growing up? Are you the kind of person who hangs and folds everything? If I did, I did not maintain that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what my like closet was like growing up actually hmm. that's really interesting i suspect most of it was hung up and some of it was kind of tossed in a chair like it is now mm -hmm. um i'm very i like i often hang everything up in a batch so it kind of ends up over the back of like the not quite laundry chair for mm -hmm. a couple days and then it all gets hung back up again and then it goes onto the back of the chair and it gets back hung up again so. so it's not necessarily about having a perfectly tidy mm -hmm. closet that's not what makes it happy no it's about having a closet that makes me smile every time i look at it a lot of people um will like hang their jewelry out kind of on display mm -hmm. or put pieces of artwork in their closet spaces and their mm -hmm. dressing zones have a full-length mirror yeah. so does your closet and dressing experience is it very contained to that new york closet or is it is, is other parts of your home part of this? Oh, it's um, expanded. <laughs> <laughs> so I have I have the New York closet, and then I also actually have a freestanding rack that I usually use for like planning and et cetera, et cetera. When somebody inevitably needs to borrow a rack for something, they always ask me because why not? <laughs> so I have it. Um, and my closet has kind of expanded onto that rack too, which I really love because it means that I can always look at my clothing. Hmm. It's always on display and I can arrange it. I can like kind of walk past and like move that shirt to be with that other jacket or that other skirt or whatever. Now you, do you live alone or do you live with other humans? I have a roommate, but we have, we keep our all our Se clothes separate, separate. closets. Yeah. Yep. How do you, and I'm assuming that people you help have partners sometimes, they're sharing yep. closet space. Mm -hmm. What comes up when it's about sharing spaces rather than just getting to have your own domain? Um, it's about first figuring out who has more clothes and if all of those clothes need to stay. So a big part of space considerations that I run into is I get brought in because there's no space in the closet. Like nothing else will fit. I can't fit another shirt. Like this is getting ridiculous. And it turns out that while they think they need more organization, what they really need to do is declutter and get rid of some things. Mm -hmm. And suddenly everything fits, <laughs> which I'm sure you've experienced on, a, well, I have. on an occasion I, or two. Because <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get called into people's homes and they'll say, you know, what kind of storage system should I get? And I'm like, that's the wrong first question. The right. first question is, are you keeping everything you own? Because mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to spend money organizing and storing right. stuff that you're not even going to love or keep. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I suspect that closets 
I'm sure it's similar to like basements and garages and attics and like hall closets. They kind of just become repositories for things. Yeah, and they seem to breed things all on their own. Yeah, that's true. Because like, how do, how do any of us own as much stuff as we own? I don't know. It's just, mm-hmm. but it's a universal human condition, yeah. apparently. Yeah. At least an American condition. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. You were mentioning that the fibers of the clothes mm-hmm. have a lot to do with the quality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, I don't... I, I will say I love clothes. I tend to buy all my clothes at Goodwill. I really mm-hmm. love the treasure hunt of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't tend to pay a lot of attention to fiber content or whatever because my, cl- my closet is regularly recycled. I, mm-hmm. I like that newness. Mm-hmm. But if I wanted to really pay attention to things that are going to be things that will last in my closet, what should I be paying attention to? Um, pay attention to fibers and generally look for natural fibers. So that's going to be cottons, linens, wools, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because they tend to be more expensive for the manufacturer. So the manufacturer tends to pair them with more high quality fastenings, uh, like zippers and buttons and that kind of thing. Um, another key thing to look for is if the garment comes with buttons and it doesn't give you extra buttons, don't buy it. <laughs> Just don't bother. <laughs> and that's assuming we want to buy quality pieces. Correct. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, you can always replace, if you have something you find at Goodwill and you love and it's missing a button, you can always replace the buttons and it'll be perfectly fine. But course. if you're looking for that high quality garment, kind of one of the biggest tells of a low quality garment is it will give you extra buttons. That is really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about weather? You know, mm-hmm. I used to think, for example, that I couldn't wear suede shoes in Seattle because it's always kind of dr- gray and drizzly here. Mm-hmm. And in the last couple of years, I've been wearing suede shoes and mm-hmm. they hold up surprisingly well. So what are some of the things we think we can't own or some of the things we should own when it comes to weather? The key to weather, especially with high quality garments, is like leather boots, suede shoes, any sort of like high quality trench coat or raincoat. A high quality manufacturer is assuming that you're going to take care of your clothes, (laughs) which is a big sticking point. (laughs) It's sort of like how people are supposed to seal their granite counters or their tile every year or every two years. (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs> so what so, so what's yeah. the result of not taking care of your clothes or like what do they what do they assume we're going to be doing with our clothes? <laughs> um so for like suede shoes in weather you get suede spray and you just spray your shoes and it makes them more water resistant and then you get a little shoe brush and you just brush the suede so it looks nice and pretty and That'll solve kind of the biggest issue about suede shoes is that they look kind of messy eventually. Good, if you're kind not of matted, kind exactly. of like a velvet wood on a chair. Exactly, which is what the brush is for. It just kind of puffs everything back up and mm-hmm. makes it all pretty again. And for like leather shoes, if you aren't using like a leather finish on them and like a water resistant, they'll dry out and crack. Just like our skin gets super dry and cracks when we don't moisturize it in the winter. And so that kind of thing. 
So that's maybe an argument, too, for having maybe fewer things in your closet. Mm -hmm. So there are fewer things that you need to take care of. Exactly. Like if you have one really good pair of authentic leather boots that you take care of and that you wear every day all winter for decades, what's that cost per wear? Right. And like every couple weeks or whenever you really need to or at the start and end of the season you just kind of like take a couple minutes to shine them and it's not a big deal or i guess you could also just drop them off at your local exactly shoe cobbler. groomer mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> oh, you can that's, also that's outsource that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. so we're talking about you know having things you love keeping your closet in a not necessarily tidy but in a form where you can find the things mm -hmm. you need to find but what about when it comes to figuring out what should even be in our closet in the first place, defining our personal style? Obviously, I know you mentioned that lifestyle has a lot to do with that. But mm -hmm. beyond that, when it comes to personality, how do you align your clothes with yourself? It's all about understanding and knowing yourself. It's about removing all of the marketing messages that you've been told <laughs> that you should like. All, and that includes like Pinterest and Instagram too. Let's be mm -hmm. real. It's not just like billboards anymore. Mm -hmm. It's differentiating between styles you admire and styles that are yours so that you wear. Um, one of the biggest misconceptions that I see is that just because you like something in a store, you have to buy it, mm -hmm. which is not true. You can admire it and be like, that's an awesome jacket and be on your merry way without ever buying it or trying it on if it's mm -hmm. not your style or if it's something you know that you're not going to wear. Absolutely. And when, when you're trying to identify your style or get to know who you are, what kind of tools do you use with your clients to figure that out? Because I mean, it's all well and good to say know yourself, but sometimes it's really hard. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And that's what I see as my primary job is helping mm -hmm. you do that thing that often takes years of effort and self-development and all of that jazz. Your style is just a part of that. I ask a lot of questions. We what talk about questions? we talk about your favorite pieces, you we talk about your least favorite, what do you reach for? What did you used to love? What do you wish you could wear? Mm. How do you want to bring that in? Why do you wish you could wear it? Why mm. are you not wearing it even though you wish you could? Is there a piece that you really love about this photo that you've brought to me, but there's a reason you're not dressing that way? Like what's the quality that you're loving? And then we can bring that quality into your wardrobe without dressing you like this model. Right, because they may have a... Yeah or likely do if they're especially if they're a model have a very different body shape and type oh yes than you do. <laughs> yes um so do you you mentioned obviously that pinterest and instagram is a lot of what's the marketing messages to mm -hmm. us now but do you use those tools when you, you mentioned that people might bring you a photograph mm -hmm. so do they share inspiration boards and yep. stuff like that with you as yep. part of this journey yep yeah so i'm all for looking for inspiration and i love images as a thing that we can come back to so we can like look at this single marketing image that you love and kind of dissect it and figure out what do you love about it hmm. whereas often people bring me an image or an instagram feed and are like dress me like that and i'm like if i do that you will not be satisfied 
<laughs> right. Well, it's like taking a hairstyle like, to your hairstylist exactly. and saying, I want this hair. And she's like, you don't have this hair. Right. <laughs> right. You don't have the six pounds of extensions that are on her head. <laughs> so speaking of that is a really yes. good point. So fashion photography is mm-hmm. like home interior photography. It's a mm-hmm. big lie. Oh, yeah. Right. It's not yep. only not only starting with a six foot model who weighs mm-hmm. 12 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then, but from there, they're also pinning the clothes in all kinds yep. of ways you can't even seeing it, making yep. this person up, taking the right angle with the right lighting, and then photoshopping it when it's all done. Exactly. There's a reason that my wardrobe is not neat and Pinterest perfect because, like, the reality is none of our wardrobes are Pinterest perfect every single day. Like, mm-hmm. there might be, but I have not met them (laughs) it's probably people with like staff right right yeah Yeah. that's a whole other thing (laughs) right so do you feel that you're able to help people have what they crave no matter what so for Mm -hmm. example like I love polka dots and when I see a polka dot dress I'm like I want that so bad (laughs) but usually if I put it on it just looks very childish on me mm-hmm. and I don't want to look like a child. Mm-hmm. So, but do you find that there's always a way to give somebody what they're craving or is it sometimes yeah. just a misfit? There's often a way to give somebody what they're craving, especially if we broaden the scope of what are polka dots invoking? Are you mm-hmm. always attracted to dresses? Is it polka dots in other forms as well? Mm-hmm. Like, is it the polka dot? Or is it the vibe that polka dot dresses often invoke in us? Like a real retro feel or something like that. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So if it's the polka dots themselves, we can look at other styles of dresses. They're often in like very specific cuts. Those like Mm -hmm. polka dot dresses that we think about when we think of a polka dot dress. Um, We can look at blouses. We can look at skirts. We can look at linings and bringing them in as accessories or... We can look at bringing in that vintage feel, that like cute, like preppy, but like kind of also awesome and like not in like this really weird, amazing way that polka dot vintage stuff has. (laughs) (laughs) We can look at bringing that more into your wardrobe as well. Well, and it sounds like one of the keys there is you're you're not trying to dress them in a theme. It's Mm -hmm. not, in fact, a costume. No. Exactly. So we want to take what the essence is, but do it in a modern way that yep. fits their body, their lifestyle, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, let's talk about shopping itself, because shopping yeah. has really changed in the last year, and then mm-hmm. it's been changing anyway. Yes. What are some strategies for people who you know do need to have a decent wardrobe, but mm-hmm. are kind of trying to figure out, how do I do it? Do I, do I just buy 17 blouses on Amazon, ship back the 16 that don't fit? Like, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. Um, start with brands that you know the fit of. So the trickiest part of shopping online, especially if you've shopped in person most of, for most of your clothing, or if you have a tricky to fit body type mm-hmm. um, in all the senses that, that that can happen, is to start with brands that you know and start there. And from there, you can figure out what, you like about that fit what you don't like about that fit what are kind of the key like words that they're using to describe the blouse that you already have and love Mm. and what other brands or styles also have those keywords in them 
And from there, it's about always checking the return policy and making sure you can return it. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and experimenting and trying things. And one of the best things about this time is you can try things without having to wear them to the office. <laughs> Nobody's going to judge you. <laughs> exactly. And you're not stuck in it all day. Like if yeah. you find out that that skirt like really isn't working, you can change at lunch. It's fine. Absolutely. Or between Zoom calls. Or between Zoom know? calls. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and okay, so that's about shopping online. What about shopping in person? Because I actually... I, get, I wear out when I go to a real store, which has all the colors and all the sizes of all the things, Yeah. Um, which is part of why I like shopping at Goodwill, because it's either my color, my size, and it doesn't have holes in it, or it's not. So it just makes the decision-making <laughs> process a little easier. So how, yeah. do you, how do you shop effectively in person? Yeah, one of the big things about shopping in person is to remember just how much money they're spending trying to confuse you. Tell me more. Like the store layout. There's a reason there are mirrors on all the walls. It's to make the store look bigger. Hmm. It's not just so that you could hold up that blouse and see if it works. There's often multiple, like there's jeans are not often all in one place. There's often like a small little annex with some jeans and they're over on that table over there. And it's to keep you coming throughout the entire store so that you're mm -hmm. exposed to more things. And kind of the aim is to create decision fatigue, because when we're fatigued and when we reach decision fatigue, our brains can't anymore. They mm -hmm. just shut down. They do not function well. And either we buy nothing or we buy everything. And they're kind of retail design. The design of retail spaces is kind of trying to get you into the buy everything mindset. Mm-hmm. So it's all about conserving energy. It's about knowing what you're looking for. If like overspending is a problem you're dealing with, like don't bring credit cards or bring a really frugal friend mm -hmm. <laughs> who will be like, are you sure you want that? <laughs> <laughs> um, or giving yourself a time limit in a kind but restrictive way. Mm -hmm. Like you can't spend all day shopping at all the stores. You can go to one store and get this many things. Mm -hmm. It's and then making sure that you're hydrated and you're fed and you don't go hungry and you bring snacks and you'll take a break and you like use benches that they have and sit down and regroup. Those are some really good strategies. And I'm already exhausted even yeah. just listening to all that. Mm -hmm. I mean, because shopping, <laughs> I mean, because then you're also the yeah. physical act of taking the clothes on, yes. putting the, taking the clothes off, not to mention the, the, the visceral response we have to seeing our naked bodies under fitting room lights. Yep. They're terrible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, don't they want yeah. to sell their clothes? I don't get it. Fitting rooms are a nightmare. <laughs> it's a whole conversation on its own. <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. It Part of it is trying to save space. So they make the fitting rooms very small because mm -hmm. it is a large part of their retail store that needs to be able to have people and also kind of coming off of like the early 2000s, 90s shoplifting terrors and scaremongering mm. and making sure that you can only bring so many clothes and all of that jazz, which makes the process unpleasant. Plus mm -hmm. the lighting, because how do you light from overhead? Overhead lighting is never flattering. 
Um, mm-hmm. But how else do you light a little cube of mm-hmm. privacy? <laughs> so it's it's both difficult design and the other way is to not try things on in the store, but this takes kind of a, you have to know that you'll return the things that you don't right. want. Which is That's the actual the normal right now, yeah. whether we're shopping in person yep. or online, mm-hmm. dressing rooms aren't open, at least here in no. Washington. So yeah. it is, they take it home and you must huh. have that discipline to yeah. return it or you'll have spent yep. a lot of money that you didn't mm-hmm. intend to spend. Yeah, yeah. Now, what so, about the, um, the mail to your home options? I think there's one called Stitch Fix. There's, I think there's a bunch of them, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you, mm-hmm. what do you think of those? I think they're great for when you're building your wardrobe. The problem that they don't solve is that a lot of us have too many clothes anyway, mm-hmm. which is part of our problem. So unless you've like comrade like five times and are down to like the bare minimum of clothing and realize and like just got a new job and like realize that none of this this closet does not match your new position mm-hmm. or you've moved or like you've changed sizes very suddenly and like nothing fits it they're very good for when you need new clothes mm-hmm. that's not the problem a lot of us have most of us have too, it sounds like you're saying too many yeah. clothes and we need to yeah. learn how to use what we have mm-hmm. and get rid of what we don't use. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. So what is, when you think about helping people create their happy closets, mm-hmm. their happy wardrobes, this art that they're wearing with them every yeah. single day, what's, what's the one piece of advice you'd really like people to take away? You didn't miss the memo and you have style and it's in there. <laughs> you just need to uncover it. There is not anyone out there that I have met or worked with that doesn't have a sense of style. It's usually buried under a lot of misconceptions or worry that like maybe this really just isn't for you or you're not the type of person who's allowed to like clothing Hmm. or you should be wearing this or you should be dressing like that or you shouldn't be doing this or that it's buried under a lot of misconceptions that once you excavate it, it's there. You, you said something a second ago, you said you think of yourself as someone who shouldn't be allowed to love clothes. What mm-hmm. is that? What would that look like? Where, where have you seen that? Yeah, it looks like that classic um, beauty intellect dichotomy that like you're allowed to either be smart or beautiful, hmm. which is ridiculous. Like, that's not true. Let's all realize that that's so outdated that I don't even know what to do with that misconception. (laughs) Short of, you can be both and have both and do both. But there's something that I've run into. It's not often as abrupt, put it as abruptly as that, but it's, it's that element of clothing is frivolous. I shouldn't be putting money or time towards it. It's only for other people I'm not allowed to look as fabulous as I want to or Hmm. that kind of that sort of vibe just one of many messages that are Mm -hmm. all jumbled up in our heads as we're trying to just put clothes on every morning yeah yeah (laughs) it's a lot there's a lot hidden in your closet 
Yeah. What I love about this conversation, it is so similar to the conversations I have with my clients Mm -hmm. about their own spaces. And I say the same thing. We all know what we want to come home to, but we don't necessarily know how to articulate it and we don't know how to create it. And we also don't know if we're allowed to have it, right? Because as you said, we see these things as frivolous, but it's literally the stuff we wake up to every single day Mm -hmm. and that, especially with clothes, go with us every single place we go. So they might as well make us happy, right? Because we're going to be wearing something. Right. Like, you know, you're wearing clothes. We all are generally. Like, Why not make them happy clothes? Exactly. And you're going to (laughs) be spending money on your home and your clothes. So might as well spend money on things that make you happy. I love it. So Mm -hmm. where can folks find you if they want to reach out to you? Yes. So my website is whowhereswho.com. Um, and the best way to stay in the know of everything that I'm doing when I'm opening hours, new classes, new podcast episodes, all of that is by signing up at the newsletter. You, It'll either be a pop-up or you can go to whowhereswho.com forward slash newsletter. Fantastic. Yeah. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Creating Your Happy Place and that it helps you feel a little bit more encouraged and empowered to make your home and your closet your happy place. If you feel stuck, please do check out my book, Happy Starts at Home. It's full of exercises that are meant to help you figure out why your home isn't working for you and identify what needs to change. And of course, if you have a specific design dilemma in your home, thanks to the magic of the internet, we can meet with you on via Zoom no matter where you call home to help you figure out the next next practical steps to creating your happy place. And in the meantime, no matter where you call home and no matter how big or small your closet is, I hope it makes you seriously happy. Until next time.